Awesome. Hey, listen, we are in uh, another week of this series called Free People, Free People. And if you were with us last week, we talked about um, really how to find freedom uh, from insecurity. It was really the conversation. And we, we talked about Galatians 5, where, where there's this uh, declaration for us from, in Galatians uh, 5, where, where Paul says, uh, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And we're talking about that over these last few weeks about what it looks like to walk in freedom. So last week, yeah, we talked about uh, insecurity, uh, that we don't find the cure for that from looking at other people, certainly. That probably makes it worse, right? Um, we also don't find it from looking inward um, at ourselves, but really looking upward at God and what he says of us, that that's where we find our identity and we can live from approval of God instead of for it through Christ. And so uh, this week, I want to talk about forgiveness. I want to talk about uh, how do we have freedom from past hurts, um, from, from things that have happened to our lives. How do we get free from that stuff? And uh, in doing that, uh, my wife, uh, she has this book she's been reading, and uh, what's it called? Finding Freedom, is that it? Okay, I didn't mean to throw you off. Okay, there, she's reading a book. Anyway, and the author gives this story, and I, I love this, and you're probably wondering why there's just paper on uh, your chair. Uh, um, the author says this, that they moved to Nashville, and, and they moved into this beautiful house, y'all, and, and an immaculate lawn. They said they had like a few acre, acres of land. We're talking like nice, right? And I don't know if you've been to Nashville this time of year. They actually have all four seasons, by the way. It's beautiful. Um, but anyway, that doesn't matter. They move into this house. They're so excited, their whole family. And what they realize is like two weeks in um, that there's a problem, something they didn't notice when they were looking at the house, uh, but they've noticed. You see, this house is right by a major highway, like right by it. And, and now, like the, the, you would think that the traffic and the noise and all that would affect them. That wasn't actually the problem. See, they had this beautiful home, but as they would wake up, as a week went by, there'd be trash all over their yard, like people just driving by, throwing trash out. And she would come outside and there would just be trash in her yard. And so she's like, oh, that is so annoying, right? Of course. And so she gets her kids and they're like, we're going to clean this up. So they're picking up old beer bottles and like styrofoam cups and plates and, you know, the, the, the leftover styrofoam from Cane's, you know what I'm talking about? I think I found a few of those in our backyard recently. Um, but they were just throwing this stuff. And so they would clean it up and then like a couple days would go by and what would happen? It'd be there again, yeah. And she's like, this is crazy. People are just throwing their stuff. They found like old, like just diapers, like baby diapers. Like, yeah, let's just drive down the road and throw our, a baby's diaper out the road. And then she said she even found like underwear, like men's underwear. Like, I don't know the story there, uh, how that happened. That's an Uber gone wrong. But anyway, yeah, I just got that for a second. I got to stop like uh, ad-libbing, don't I? Um, <clears throat> anyway. But she would get upset, and here's why she was upset, and you, I think we agree with this. Like, that, why does she have to deal with everyone's trash? Like, what an injustice that, like, I got to pick up your trash because you're too lazy to throw that in the proper way. You just throw that on my lawn, and, and now I've got to deal with it. I wake up in the morning, I have a beautiful home, and your trash is in my lawn. And she's like, well, what if we, what if we shame them? So then she gets her kids together, and she's like, we're going to put a camera. We're going we're gonna to put a sign that says Jesus is watching. You know, like, maybe that'll work. No, it uh, doesn't work. Uh, then they tried to get this camera, like one of those game cameras, like, like motion sensor, and they were going to, like, try to catch the person 
uh, but they couldn't get license plates and all that. I don't know, but it didn't work. So then she's like, well, what if I just ignore it? You know, like just that's their trash. That's their responsibility. That ain't my responsibility. That's not my trash. I'm just going to let it go. What happens when she does that? It just piles up. Like you can't just ignore it. You can't just let it pile up. And so she realized, and I mean, this was kind of the point she was making. She has to clean it up because why? Even though it's not her responsibility to handle everyone's trash, it's her lawn. It's her property. And and I think this is an amazing parallel to our lives. Because you see, when someone sins against you, when someone hurts you, it's their junk. And it's coming at you. And because of whatever brokenness they have or whatever's gone in their life, somehow that hurt or that pain is transferred onto you and you get betrayed, you get backstabbed, you get all this stuff and it's their junk and yet it's hitting your heart. And you don't get to ignore it. You don't get to just hope that it goes away. That when we are really hurt, we have to deal with this. We have to acknowledge that it's there and we got to do something with it. And that's what I want to talk about tonight, because the chances are, if you've lived more than two years of, on this earth, um, you've been hurt. Like, you've been on the receiving end of cruelty or rejection. You've been on the receiving end of slander or abuse or being backstabbed or being abandoned. Or you've just, like, been involved with people that are mean, right? Like, just, just mean people. Um, I don't know what it was for you, but the chances are that many of us in this room have been wounded or hurt, and the closer the person is to us, the more it hurts, right? The closer the person is, and me and my brother, we've gone through a lot, and I dealt with this with him over so many years. You see, I didn't, I think I've told, have I told you all my life story? I think I've said my testimony here, but when I was a kid, when I was 13, my father passed away. but a big piece of my story, he, he has not been a big brother to me. He has not been available. He has not been there for me or around. I've always been on my own, even though I've had a brother. And that's played its way out all the way till now. And one year ago, my brother moves off and he's off in Maryland. Uh, he never really calls the family. And there's just this thing in me that like, what is wrong with you, man? Like, what have I done to you that you don't want anything to do with my life and you're not involved? And I tell my wife, I think I'm going to confront him. I've got to deal with this. And my brother literally texts me in this moment. And it was a total God thing. Uh, And he's like, hey, man, I want to invite you on a fishing trip in a couple months. I'm going to pay for it. I want you to come. I need to talk to you. So I'm like, I don't want to talk to him. And my wife's like, you're going, right? Like, you're going. I'm like, yes, ma'am. So I go up to Montana uh, on this fishing trip with him, and I'm like, I don't know, I need to talk to him about it, but it's kind of like him and his like eight closest friends, and it might be a little awkward when his little brother calls him out in front of all of his friends. And night one, we get around this fire, and we're chatting, and my brother just in the middle of it goes, hey, there's something I need to tell my brother, and I was waiting until I could see him face to face. And he looks at me, and he says, I'm sorry. And I'm just like, what? And he's like, I'm sorry that I have not been there for you. Like, I haven't even said anything. And I'm ready. Like, I'm like, and he's like, I have not been there for you. And I just wanted to see you face to face because I wanted to ask for your forgiveness. And y'all, this is night one. 
the craziest thing. I just break down. Like, I, I've cried like four times in my life, right? Now I'm with all these strangers in like Montana. I don't know any of these people. And I'm just like the ugly cry. Like it is just, <laughs> but it really was this thing. And, and he and I got up, we hugged it out. And, and for the last year, um, we've been close. We've been connected and God reconciled that relationship and really freed me from a lot of hurt. And I realized actually what he had was he had an offense against my mom and against this part of my family. It had nothing to do with me and I was caught in the middle of it. It had nothing to do with me, but God did a work there. That's not even in my notes, but I wanted to share that. I know, you're like, okay, well, let's keep moving, right? But that was a real hurt for me. I also had a buddy that was a close friend that did a lot of life with that totally betrayed me. And to this day, I'm like, no, we're good, man. I've forgiven him. I'm good. And yet when I see him post something or he texts me, there's something in me. Like, "Mm, I don't care about you. I don't need to know what's going on in your world. And it's like, oh, I thought I was free of that. But there's something going on in me. I'm not free of this thing. But the Lord has called you and I, even in the midst of whatever the pain is, to forgive. And so we're going to talk about that tonight. And real quick, uh, we're going to go to a specific passage, but I want to read this out of Ephesians 4 first. In Ephesians 4, verse 30, I need you to hear this. Paul says this, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is only, there's only a few times in scripture, I think there's two total, where we hear about grieving the Spirit of God. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And then it goes into verse 31, because these are the fruits of unforgiveness. These are the fruits of not letting stuff go. And it's kind of what he's talking about earlier. Um, But here's what he says. Let bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander be put away from you along with all malice. Malice is the desire to hurt. And rather, verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. We have this command and this mandate to forgive. But I don't know, in this room, here's what we've got going on. There are some of you in here who have been hurt and you're like, yeah, I know I'm supposed to forgive. I just am not gonna do it. I don't know how I could ever forgive that person. I don't know how I could ever release that person of what they've done. There's some in this room that feel like if you're to be honest, that's where you're at. There's some of you in here that you're probably just like, you know, um, I've already forgiven them. Like, we're good. I've washed my hands of that deal. But you, like me, when they text or you see something and there's a post and you see them, there's something in your heart where you know it's not over. You're holding on to something, some sort of little root of bitterness, a little bit of anger, a little bit of something, self-righteousness comes up when you see them and you're in denial and you need to still deal with it. For some in this room, uh, there's just people, you don't feel like you've got like a major pain point or like major hurt. There's just people that annoy you, if we're gonna be honest, right? Just annoying people in life. But I try to ignore it. I try to just like, ah, I'm just gonna push that aside. It's really not that big of a deal. And yet internally, again, those people affect your mood and they affect your life. And then there may be some of you in here that you're like, honestly, like, I'm okay. I really am. I'm fine. I don't feel like I'm walking around with any bitterness. I don't, I don't feel like that's, that's hitting me. And, and I, I'm, this sounds terrible, but I'm just telling you, okay, still listen because it's coming. And here's why I say that. You're going to be hurt. 
And the reason is, is because this world is broken and sin exists in this world. And so you're sinful, so you're going to hurt people. They're sinful, they're going to hurt you. And it is going to affect our relationships. Not only our relationships here, but our relationship with God. Sin gets in the middle of it and we hurt. So what do we do with that? And tonight, real quick, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, and we're going to do this. We're going to talk about what forgiveness is. We're going to talk about what forgiveness isn't, all right? Try to get some clarity there. And then for those of you that, if you're going to be honest and say, like, I don't even know how I would ever forgive these people, we're going to talk about how to forgive, how that, how that plays out in our lives. So if you've got Matthew 18, say, I got it. Okay, good. You guys are quick turners. I mean, like, wow, Bible drill. Here we go. All right, we're going to go to ch- uh, chapter 18, verse 21. 21. And, and here's where Peter is. He's asking Jesus about this. Um, they just talked about in Matthew 18 about how to restore conflict, how to walk through conflict with people. Um, so if you've got conflict with people in general, um, you could go up a few verses and just walk through biblically how we address conflict within the church, within our community. Um, he's talking about that. But then Peter... I love Peter, man. He, he asks the questions we're all thinking, right? He comes up to Jesus and he says in verse 21, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Like, how often do I have to do this? As many as seven times? And I could just see him being like, I know it's like three, like three strikes and you're out. Like, if you, if you sin against me three times, I'm gonna forgive you once. Shame on me, you know, like I'm gonna figure of you twice, but after three, like we're done. I don't know if anyone else feels that way. That was kind of like my rule of thumb. And I feel like Peter's here going like, yeah, like I know it's three, but like you want me to forgive him seven, I'll forgive him seven times because I'm extra holy. And what does Jesus say? Verse 22, Jesus said, I do not say to you seven times, I say 77 times, or some translation, seven times 70 He's not being specific, right? He's not like 490, keep a tally, all right? Like, he's not being specific. What he is saying is, you forgive him. How often? Always. We forgive. We walk in forgiveness. And then he goes on and tells a story. And anytime Jesus carries on, he answers and he's gonna go forward. We gotta pay attention. And so he tells this whole story, starting verse 23. Hang with me. Here's what it says. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, it may be be compared to a king who wanted to settle the accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Real quick, just want to tell you what that is. A talent, like one talent, was 20 years wages. Like, think about that. 20 years wages for a lot of us, like what we hope to have in the account when we retire, 20 years wages. Let's say you make 50,000, 20 years of that, doing some quick math here. What is that, a million, million dollars roughly? One talent is a million dollars. He owes him how many talents? Anybody got it? 10,000, thank you. Yes, that wasn't rhetorical, I know. I'll I'll prompt y'all better. I like the the back and forth here, you know. Um, Appreciate it. 10,000 talents. So 10,000 one millions. And I have to say it that way because I need you to understand in this day when Jesus would say that, everyone would be like, what? Like that is an astronomical number. There's no way. We're not even talking millions. We're not even really talking billions. We're talking trillion. 10,000 talents, 10,000 one million dollar bills basically. I didn't even do the math. I don't even know what that is. Some of y'all know how many zeros that is. 
This guy comes in and he owes that. So obviously the listener at this moment's like, that's impossible. Like you can't pay that back. That's stupid. Like why would you even try? He's going to get to that. There's a reason he says that. But let's go on. Verse 25. Since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had so that a payment would be made. By the way, in that day, if you were going to be sold into slavery, it was about a talent. It was about roughly one talent. You could get, which is a lot of money. Um, that's not even scratching the surface here, though, right? That's not going to do it. So the servant fell on his knees and he implored this king. He implored him and he said, please have patience with me. I will pay you everything. In verse 27, out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. A denarii is a day's wage, a couple hundred bucks, right? A couple hundred bucks is a denarii, so he owes him a hundred of those. Let's say 2,000. Would that be 20,000? Anybody got it? If, if one denarii is 200 and he owes 100, was that 20,000? I don't know the zeros. You get it. All right. And $20,000, by the way, that's a lot of money, right? Like you'd be good. If, you, if someone owed you 20,000, you'd want that back, right? I mean, I would. But $20,000 versus the, the trillions, this is not the same. But here's what the servant does. Uh, let's get back to it. Verse 28. Seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience for me and I will pay you. But he refused and he went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what, he, what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. They went up and reported to their master all that had taken place. And his master summoned him and said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all of that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he would pay all of his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This story takes a turn at the end. I don't know. I, I wasn't seeing that coming the first time I read that. I don't know if you felt that way. It's kind of jarring, like, okay, this is a good parable and all. And then Jesus is like, yeah, but God's gonna do this for any of you that are unwilling to forgive. So I wanna jump into this for a minute. I'm going to get to that last part at the end because I'm going to take it a little at a time. But the real question that I want to look at this text and say is what is actually, what is forgiveness? So I think we have some misunderstanding of what forgiveness is. And I've been reading this book with our staff. Pastor Bob's been taking us through it. It's a book by R.T. Kendall called Total Forgiveness. It's really good. And I'm going to just give him credit. Um, a lot of this right here I took from R.T. Um, he's super smart um, and it's great. Uh, and so I, I just want to share this with you. But if you look at verse 23 and 24, the first thing I want you to understand about forgiveness, it says here that a king decides to bring up his accounts to his servants who had borrowed money. And in the process, one of his debtors was brought to him, owing him all this money, right? The, the first thing about forgiveness is this. This guy, he had real debt. It was real. And because of that, I need you to understand what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not denying what someone did to you. Not just like denying it, that didn't really happen, we're just gonna ignore it. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is not excusing what someone did, letting them off the hook, just like, uh, that's okay, my bad for you hurting me. It's not excusing. Forgiveness is not forgetting what someone did. 
In fact, if you look at Hebrews 8, 12, we see this distinction that God overlooks our sin. It's not like he didn't know about it and was like, oh, he overlooks our sin. It's the same way here that God is saying, like, it's not about us forgetting this. Now, forgetfulness comes, and I have another sermon to unpack what he's talking about there. It doesn't matter for this moment. What I want you to understand is a lot of times we think that if we forgive, what we're doing is we're just excusing the person. We're just like, it's no big deal when it's real pain. And he's saying this is real debt. So not only is forgiveness not denying, it's not excusing what someone did. It's not forgetting what someone did. It's not approving of what someone did. You forgiving them is not giving them the, the approval nod. Hey man, just keep going for it. Keep, keep hurting me. Keep backstabbing me. It's, that's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not justifying what someone did for them. This was real debt, and we've got to deal with it. You have real pain, and we have to deal with it. Um, the other thing that RT points out, and I think this is huge, is forgiveness is not reconciliation. They're different. And let, let me explain it. Forgiveness hopefully leads to restoration. I mean, uh, reconciliation. But reconciliation takes two parties. Me and my brother were reconciled and there was forgiveness. It was awesome. Reconciliation takes two people. Forgiveness does not. You can forgive someone without them totally accepting that, needing that. In fact, some of the people that have hurt you probably don't even know they've hurt you. I, I've talked to people that are like, like, that person that hurt me is dead. Am I allowed to forgive them? How can I forgive them? And I go, because forgiveness is not contingent on the other person. Forgiveness is about you releasing something, releasing them of something. So forgiveness is not reconciliation. Now, God's goal in life and what he said is he's called us, he's reconciled us and called us to be uh, ministers of reconciliation. That is the goal. But just because someone else isn't willing to go there with you on the forgiveness conversation, on, on restoring this relationship, doesn't mean you can't forgive them. Does that make sense? Forgiveness and reconciliation are different. It'll kind of look like you're like confused by that. Are we good there? Do I need to keep talking about that? Okay, we can go back to that if, if so. Let's talk about what forgiveness is because I think this will help. In verse 27, it says that out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. And I already kind of mentioned this, but what, what forgiveness is at its core is to release them of the debt, is to let go of the debt that they owe you. What he did, what this master did was, you owe me trillions and I'm releasing you of that. You don't have to pay that anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm freeing you of that debt. What we ultimately have to do in forgiveness is we have to release it and give it over to God. Uh, Romans 12, 19 says this, Beloved, never avenge yourself. Leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. A lot of what we have to do with forgiveness is trust God's justice, trust God's judgment of that. Because if not, if we're going to hold on to the judgment, if we're not going to release someone and they owe us and we want to take on vengeance and we want to make them pay and we want to hurt them, what we are actually doing is sitting in the seat of God saying, I'll be God here. I'll be judge here. I'll be the one that carries out the judgment and don't dare sit on God's throne. What we do when we take on forgiveness is we actually take on the heart of God, which is that we release and we show mercy. 
See, the second thing that forgiveness is, not only is it releasing debt, it is also a choice. It is an act of the will. You, you choose to release. A lot of times we say, well, once they're good, once they deserve it, once they've asked for it, I can forgive them. But no, 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 that's not forgiveness. Now we're talking reconciliation again. Forgiveness is not waiting for the other person. It's me releasing it. It's an act of mercy. If we go back in verse 33, it says this, should you not have mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? That's what forgiveness is. It is not giving them what they deserve. That's what mercy is. The reality, what forgiveness is not, is not ignoring what they deserve. Like, no, you hurt me. There is pain here. But I'm releasing that, and I'm choosing to let go of that. Number three, forgiveness is costly. Forgiveness is costly. Like, think about this. If I owe you $5,000, and you You've loaned that to me. Like I asked it out of your account and you're like, yeah, I barely have that. Um, y'all are college students. If I asked you to give me $100, now we're talking. There's four of you in here that have $100 in the account. The rest of you have about 12, right? Let's run that taco casa diet. All right. Um, but if you, loan me, if you loan me that money and I wasn't able to pay you and you go, okay, it's fine. Where did the money go? Like, you still don't have it, right? You still don't have it. Right here with this king, he settles this debt. You owe me trillions of dollars, I'm gonna let it go. That is still a cost to the one that's letting it go, right? You get that? Like, the the king still has to pay for that. There's a debt there. Someone, like, it doesn't just, oh, it's cool. If you gave me $1,000 out of your account and then I don't pay you back and you forgive me, you still don't have the $1,000, And I think what we forget is like forgiveness is going to cost you. Forgiveness hurts because when you release someone and you don't take vengeance on them and you don't hurt them and you want to speak something, you want to tell the world about what they did to you. By the way, God never tells the world what you've done. So real forgiveness, it doesn't speak about all the ways you were hurt by that person to everybody else. And when I want to, because I want to bring a little pain to this, I I want to bring a little something to this person and I don't do that, it hurts. When I don't get to carry out the vengeance and like make someone like pay for that or let them know how much they hurt me, it hurts to not do that, doesn't it? And so uh, Tim Keller, he said this, I love this. He said that forgiveness is actually a form of suffering. It's costly. For you to forgive, you will suffer for it. It's paying the debt yourself. As a result, though, your heart softens instead of hardens, and you escape the prison of bitterness. And we'll get to that in a second. Finally, I just want to say this. Forgiveness is a condition of the heart. Jesus says it in verse 35. So will my heavenly Father do for all of you if you do not forgive your brother where? From the heart. Now, I will say that I think that in my own personal like, experience with forgiveness, that emotion kind of comes later. Just like it's a choice, an act of a will, um, the emotion of really letting go and letting that breathe comes later. 
I choose this, I walk in this. But at some point, real forgiveness is when in my heart, I'm not holding something against someone. In my heart, when I see them, I'm not like secretly like, who cares about that dude? Who cares about that person? Kind of hope they don't succeed in life. Don't you see that that's still being in a prison? You're still in this thing. And Matthew 12, 34 says that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of what's going on in us. So, so what happens when we hold on to bitterness? And we're like, nah, I'm gonna keep that. I'm gonna hold on to that offense. We are still in prison. And that's what happens at the end of this chapter when he says that the king just gives them back to the jailers. He just gives them back. Forgiveness is a condition of the heart. So how do we forgive that person that's really hard to forgive? And before I get into that section, I kind of want to finish this section in a, in a little different way. I put, um, I put a piece of paper folded up trash on your chair. I want you to take that. And as I talk through this last section, I want you to think about some pain that's been in your life. Maybe it is a name of a specific person or persons who have hurt you, and you know you're still holding on to an offense. And tonight, my prayer is for freedom. And what I want you to do, just like we talked about in that earlier story, that lady couldn't ignore the trash on her lawn. She had to acknowledge it. She had to deal with it. Before we can release it to God, we have to be honest with what has hurt us. We have to be honest with these moments and these people in our lives that are still plaguing our hearts. And while I go through this next section, I want you to think about what that situation was, who that person was, and just between you and God and that piece of paper, I want you to just write those names down. Write that name down. Write that moment down. We're gonna do something with it at the end. But as you write, there was a story of uh, Corey Tim Boone. Some of you know um, who she is. Um, she was this Dutch woman uh, that was living in the Netherlands with her sister during World War II. And uh, during the horrendous Holocaust, all that was going on, uh, her and her sister were hiding Jews in their home and trying to protect them. But one day they were caught and the Secret Service came in and, and arrested them and sent the two of them, her and her sister, to a concentration camp. And in that concentration camp, um, they experienced horrendous things, as you could only imagine. Her sister, she watches her sister die. She somehow survives. And after the war ends, she begins teaching the Bible and going around and speaking in Germany and all these places in Europe. And uh, she tells this story of being at this church in Munich only a couple years after the war. And here's what she says. I was speaking, and as I was speaking, I saw him. He was the guard. He was the secret service man who stood guard at the so-called shower room door in our processing center in Ravensbrück. And with all the other guards, he would often run his hands over our naked bodies, and then he would respond callously to our requests for help and for water and for food. He was the first of the actual jailers that I had ever seen after the ward, and suddenly all the feelings were there again seeing the heaps of clothing and the naked body, seeing Betsy's pain-blanched face. She remembered her own sister dying at the hands of this man. 
And at the end of the church, as it was emptying, this man came up to me and he said, how grateful I am for your message to think that, as you say, Jesus has washed away my sins. And he stuck his hand out to shake mine and my hand stayed by its side. And anger and vengeful thoughts were boiling in me as I tried to muster a smile. And I struggled to raise my hand, but I couldn't. And I silently prayed, Jesus, I cannot forgive him. I cannot let this go. Give me your forgiveness. And as I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened from my shoulder, through my arm, and through my hand. A current seemed to pass through me while into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. Like, I, I can't even imagine that kind of forgiveness. And there are people in my life that I have struggled with. Like, I don't know how I'm gonna forgive them. And what she does is she cries like, God, help me with this. But the whole point of this story is this. As we look here and we see Jesus's response, that the this man is so upset saying, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have mercy on him as I have had mercy on you? We see the expectation of our God is that we should treat people the way that he has treated us. And here's the key to all forgiveness. Only because I am forgiven can I forgive. Only the one who has tasted the goodness of being let go and being freed of the trillion dollars that I owe an almighty God that I can really have the ability to forgive other people. This is the point. Out of, out of pity, he, he forgives him. Out of this compassion, that's the rendering of that. And what we've got to realize is the people that we struggle with forgiving, you have to identify yourself with them. You have to see, because what we do is we go, I'm way better than that person. I would never do that to somebody else. All the while forgetting the debt we owed God, forgetting how much we have been forgiven and what a slap it is in the face when God has let us go from treason to looking at this person and going, nope, can't forgive you. What an offense that is to God. And so we get to the end of this and we see this principle in the scriptures because I'm forgiven, I can forgive. That's why Colossians 3.13 says, make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you and remember, hello, that the Lord forgave you. So forgive others. That's what it's getting at. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. How? Just as God in Christ forgave you. Jesus stood on the cross and he looks down and you and I all together, we're in that crowd yelling, crucify him. I need his blood to get into heaven. Take him. We're all on the same page here. And Jesus looks at them and this is compassion because he says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. That wasn't between us and him. That was between him and God. God, I release this to you. Forgive them. Out of our forgiveness now, we forgive others because Jesus on the cross became you. He became me. He became the penalty for us and we have been forgiven. And because we've been forgiven, we are free to let go of some stuff with other people. But finally, I do want to make this point because I've been struggling with this all week because at the end of this text, it kind of looks like our forgiveness is conditioned on forgiving others, doesn't it? It's like, 
What does he say? So will my heavenly father do to you. That is that we released him and then we threw him back in jail uh, because he didn't do what we said. He didn't forgive someone else. So he gets to go back in jail for eternity. So will my heavenly father do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And I looked at this, I'm like, that can't be right. That doesn't line up with scripture because we know that our salvation isn't based on our works. Our salvation is based only on the work of Christ. So what does he mean here? What does this mean? And I believe based on multiple other contexts that what Jesus is saying is this, that only in forgiving others is there proof that you have received the love and the forgiveness of God. Only when we have received the forgiveness of God do we forgive. And if we're not forgiving, what that is, is that's actually proof that you don't believe you've been forgiven, or at least you don't understand it or don't think you need it. So you're actually blocking the gospel from your life when you don't forgive. You're saying, no, 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 no. I'll be God. I don't need forgiveness. I haven't received forgiveness because if you had, if you've tasted it, if you've known, you're a goner unless God does something. If you haven't felt that and experienced that and known that you are a sinner in need of a savior and one day you're gonna stand before a real judge who will call you to account and then apart from Christ, you got nothing. Only then from that well can we forgive Our forgiving others is proof that we have truly received God's forgiveness. If you do not forgive, you're blocking the effects of the gospel. You're trying to be God. Not only that, going back to that verse earlier, you grieve God when you hold on to bitterness, when you hold on to these things. You see, your salvation is unconditional. There's no conditions because the condition was Jesus and he paid it. But did you know that your fellowship with God is conditional? Did you know that, that, that we break fellowship with God when we choose to go against what he says? Salvation is unconditional. Forgiveness, when we don't forgive, our fellowship is conditional. We can grieve the heart of God. So tonight the question is, What are you holding on to? What is that offense that's so hard for you to let go of? That person that when you see them, you struggle with it, man, to release them of that. You struggle to see them as a friend and to want to love them and be for them and hope the best for them. What is that thing that you need to let go of tonight? I'm gonna ask the band to come and we're gonna do something a little different tonight. I believe in my own forgiveness journey um, that there have been moments where I really have released some people. There's specifically a friend of mine in Houston um, that I feel like I've forgiven. But like I said, if I'm gonna be vulnerable, when I see stuff like posts of him or he texts me, I still am like, "Mm, don't really wanna hear from you. And even though I feel like I've released that and I've given that over to God, I don't think it's like a one-time decision. I think it's a daily thing that we continually release and give that up and give that back over to God. But tonight as a step towards that. Some of you, you need freedom here. You need freedom from this pain and you don't wait on the other person to know that they've hurt you. You don't wait on them to say, I'm sorry. That's not forgiveness. We're talking reconciliation now. And yes, we want that in our relationships. We want to be reconciled. But your forgiveness isn't based on them. 
It's based on what God has done in you. And so tonight as the band leads us, we're gonna open up this side door right here. And I want you to take that paper after you've filled it out and I want you to crumple it back up as the trash that it is, the thing that hurts your heart, the thing that is keeping you in a prison. And man, we just created a fire out there, all right? I'm serious. We got a little fire out there. I mean, it's, it's the fall. And I want you to take that at some point as we continue to worship and as an act of choosing to release that person of that hurt or releasing them of that one incident or that pain, whatever it is, I want you to chunk that in the fire and I want you to just come back and worship with us. Because we're forgiven, we've been freed to forgive. We've been freed to let go of it, to trust God with it. Father, tonight, we are grateful for the forgiveness that we have experienced in you. I'm so grateful, God, that you've forgiven me. And I pray you'd forgive me when I take that for granted in my own life by wanting to hold on to your judgment on other people. But tonight, God, I pray through the power of your spirit that you would free us from the hurt in our life, from the bitterness. And God, help us to walk in freedom tonight, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.